Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow! Did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com/acast and use code acast for twenty percent off your first purchase. Everything you remember must mean something. So, what does that thought mean? Adrift. With Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port. Hello. Hi. Have you ever you have worked uh, as a waitress? Yes. What is it that makes some people invisible when they're asking for the bill? Oh, <laughs> I don't know because I've only worked as a kind of a waitress in a pub, not an actual restaurant. Right. So I can't strictly answer that question. Do you feel that you're that yeah, person? Yeah, absolutely I am. I mean, it's it's unbelievable the amount of time that I can see people who work in restaurants go without making any kind of eye contact with me. Mm-mm. And yet the tables all around me seem ever so proficient at it. I'm like that at a bar and a pub. I just, I'm, in, I'm that invisible person who never gets served. They should do training courses. What, for people like us? Yeah, on how to be more visible (laughs) in that environment. Here's here's a question. When you ask for the bill in a restaurant and Mm. you do the mime, what are you writing? So you you sort of (laughs) always mime writing something on your hand. I know, I I do the chip and pin, like, no. (laughs) I'm just kind of modern girl. I'm not not writing anything. You're writing something in particular. Yeah, and I I didn't didn't realise, but I uh, I thought about it. And what I'm writing is the bill. You're not. I am, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nobody does that, do they? Wow. Do you know the people who have far too much confidence? Who? The people who do it in midair. Where do you do yours then? I do. I hold my my left hand up as if it's a piece of paper, what, and I, then I, write shoulder height. Is that yeah? That shoulder box, shoulder yeah, height. Yeah. yeah, and then I write the bill on it with me. And right. then, but I see some people, and they've got it way up in the air over their heads. Well, they're the people not being ignored. It's There's exactly your that. It's exactly that. Um, so I treated myself to a little lunch the other day. I, mm. I was in a complete other part of London, and I thought I'll go and get myself. Um, a bite to eat. And I ended up in this Indo-Chinese restaurant. And I was the only customer in there, by the way, <laughs> okay. which makes this whole thing with the being invisible when asking for the bill even worse. I right. mean, it really does feel like it's a problem with me. Yeah. Um, so, so anyway, I'm in this place and they've got a system on the menu. Let me explain this to you. Okay. So next to each dish, they either have nothing... One little drawing of a red chilli, mm. two little red chilies, yeah, or three little red chilies. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've seen this system. Before. So, so what, what do you think that system uh, so implies? It's, it's mild, medium, and very spicy. Ex- exactly. Yeah. And you, the customer, are empowered with that information because it's there on on the menu. Right. Yeah. 
So the waiter comes over, and you know me, I like spicy food. You love it. It's, it's my favourite food, is the spicy food. Mm. And I order a p- particular dish, and he says, oh, it's very spicy, that one. I think, well, I know it's very spicy mm, mm. because there are three cartoon chilies next to it on the menu. You, I've, I've got that. Don't say this out loud, obviously. It'd be obnoxious. I said, uh, oh, I'm fine. He's like, oh, do you like spice too? I said, I do. He says, it is very spicy, that one. Like I'm a child. Right, yeah. Said, no, it's 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 fine. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be okay with that. So, you know, he brings this dish over once it's ready and a, a couple of things happen. So about halfway into eating it, I've I've been a bit under the weather recently. I've had a bit of a chesty cough. Mm-mm. So about halfway through, I start coughing oh, no. and then have to drink water. Oh, no, he thinks he's right. Yeah, yeah, oh. yeah, yeah, which drives me mad. Yes. Like he comes over just at that moment oh. and he's saying, oh, it is spicy. I told no. you it was spicy. I said, no, no, I've just got a cough. But then it sounds like I'm lying. Yeah, no, I've yeah. just got a cough. It's, <laughs> it's not the spice of it. So that happens. And... Um, and then sort of it's it's this huge plate of food and I can't finish it. You know, I eat about two thirds of it and then I'm full. Oh, no. So that when I put my knife and fork in the correct position, mm. which is of course twenty five past, right? My wife past, yeah, anywhere between twenty past and twenty five oh, okay. past. I think. Yeah, yeah. My wife sometimes leaves it in all manner of positions. I think, how can you do oh, that? No. It needs to be a clear signal to to the waiter or waitress that that your meal is finished. Yeah, yeah. 20 to 25 past acceptable. Any other point, not acceptable. And she'll sort of leave them askew. What, like at 10 to 2 or something? Yes. No. Yeah, 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 yeah. Heathen. Anyway, so I'd, I'd put my cutlery in the correct position and um, he comes over and he says, oh, you couldn't finish it. Oh, I said, no, no, I'm just really full. He said, well, I did, I did say to them in the uh, kitchen, don't make it as spicy. No. Yes. This is, it would drive me insane. I know. I'd be so I angry. Know. I was so furious. I would just, I would eat it, whatever. Yeah. I mean, even if it meant I would have to go outside and be sick, like I would eat it. Oh, <laughs> no. Mad, yeah. And he was so pleased with himself. Yeah. Oh. And I have had that before now in certain restaurants, which are you know, cuisine from around the world, where they assume because, you know, you're a pasty white British person, mm. that um, you won't be able to handle the spice. Oh, they don't know and you. And say, I won't, won't have it. I'll, I'll make it a bit less spicy for you. you go, <sighs> no, please don't make it less no, spicy. I want it spicy. And then you worry about being one of those sort of macho people who's like, I can handle spice. No, but you just enjoy it, don't you? I do just yes. enjoy it. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So maybe I'll go back there yeah. and order everything with three little chilies on it on the menu. Don't eat for a week yeah. so you can fit it all in yeah, yeah. and make sure you don't have a cough. Yes. Sometimes when you're not paying attention, you didn't even realise you were in a sewer. This is not that case. Right now you're on a lake and it's nice. Jeff Floyd and Annabelle Port. Adrift. I went out for a cup of tea with Sophie from Acast to uh, do do the um, advertising in the podcast oh, last week. Lovely. And she was saying that there are three people who work there who have in their drafts folder of their email stories to send to us, and oh, they've just never quite finished them. Send them. Send them. And I just want to say that to you, if if you've been thinking of sending us a story and you've gone as far. As, as doing a draft, mm. just finish it off, send it to We We love these stories. Oh. They're, they're amongst my favourite things. Mm. So uh, please share your story. It's hello at adriftpodcast.com. This first one is from Sharon. 
I have an accidental un-PC thing to tell you. I work as a section leader in a food producing factory where we use a lot of temporary agency staff, many of whom are not fluent in English. One morning when I was particularly busy and feeling a little terse, I'm generally known for being calm and kind, which makes what follows harder to bear, a young Nicaraguan girl with poor English came to ask, or rather mime, for gloves. I should also say that when machinery is running in the factory, it is very noisy, so raised voices are the norm. After handing the gloves over, I noticed she had a hole in her hat, so I pointed this out and communicated that she needed a new one. After many attempts at verbally and physically trying to tell her where they were, which was at the entrance to the factory, and as my senior manager was walking towards me and in earshot, and as three machines shut down, rendering the area silent, I resorted to shouting and pointing no less, go back to where you came from! (laughs) Needless to say, my manager completely misunderstood the situation. But unfortunately, everyone around me had seen this unfold and the poor girl was not upset at all. Oh, that's great. I mean, that's just straight up like something out of a sitcom, isn't, isn't it? it? So, it's so sitcom. The yeah. machine's stopping. Yeah, I know. Everything yeah. coming yeah. together for that moment. Yeah. <sighs> okay, this is from John. I thought I would share a failed human interaction I hadn't thought about for years, the memory of which has been dredged up by listening to tales from other awkward kindred spirits on your podcast. I was studying part-time for an MA at Middlesex University. It was the first day of the course and the first time all the students got to meet one another. After a morning seminar, lots of polite introductions and instantly forgetting everyone's names, it was lunchtime. A few of us headed to the campus canteen and ordered food. I wasn't especially hungry, but I think I had an omelette and some chips. I can't remember much of the main element of the meal, but I do remember the chips, lots of them. As we found a table and sat down, some of my fellow students were still waiting on their food, so I graciously said, oh, help yourself to my chips, there's far too many, and a couple of people took me up on the offer. I had one or two chips myself, and then decided they needed salt. I casually grabbed the nearby shaker and sprinkled liberally over the chips. Then I noticed that the chips now tasted rather sweet, and that in my haste, I'd shaken sugar all over my food. I glanced at the condiments and the shaker I had just used was next to a pepper pot. But, oh yes, lurking behind the serviettes was the sugar shaker's smaller, saltier, savoury cousin. I was now faced with a dilemma. Either act like a normal human being, comfortable in their own skin and happy to laugh at themselves and the situation and announce to the group what I'd just done. Or shovel down sugary chips as fast as I possibly could to ensure my mistake remained hidden. Naturally, I chose the latter, but there were a lot of chips. So in an effort to dissuade anyone from helping themselves to any of my self-inflicted weirdo chips, I had no choice but to eat them with gusto. Panicking that if I couldn't eat them all, my new course mates would be entirely within their rights to finish them off. And that the more enthusiastically I ate them, the less anyone would want to deprive me. I did indeed manage to eat them all, spent the afternoon feeling very full and possibly a bit distracted from the usual awkwardness of meeting lots of new people for the first time. So perhaps it wasn't all bad. I believe that it's called styling it out, that, isn't it? Very much so. There's a topic for us. Yeah, Yeah, yes. Finally, from Francis. Each week, your podcast serves as a cringing reminder of something that happened about five years ago now. And I feel like I won't be free of the shame until I've unburdened myself to you. So here goes. I was living in Paris at the time with my then boyfriend, now husband, and we'd been wandering around for the morning about to head home. Our route took us past the Hotel de Ville, which often has very good temporary exhibitions with free entry, meaning the queues can often be around the block. 
This particular morning, there is no queue for the well-reviewed exhibition on the deportation of Jewish children by the French authorities. So I suggested we stop and check it out. Never let it be said that I don't know how to have a good time. (laughs) My boyfriend demurred and it turned out that he needed the loo, a number two, and wanted to get back to the privacy of our own home. Normal? That's a whole other discussion. I overruled him and in we went. The exhibition took the form of photographs and information displayed along the walls in such a way that visitors had to shuffle along in a line in dead silence because the content was so horrific. After a little bit of shuffling around the first room, I caught sight of a sign for the toilets. I looked around for my boyfriend, crept up behind him and whispered in a faux baby voice that I made as creepy as possible, knowing he'd appreciate how inappropriate it was in the setting. You can do a poo now if you like. (laughs) Of course, the person examining a picture of a pile of children's shoes with a suitably sombre expression wasn't my boyfriend and turned to me with a shocked expression. We stared at each other for what seemed like an eternity. Then I walked away and out of the building. My only hope is that I said it in French and maybe he was a tourist who didn't understand. Or maybe he's still today telling the story of the sick woman who creeps around Holocaust exhibitions, encouraging people to poo. Oh, God. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that's going to take some beats. (laughs) (laughs) I I would really appreciate if you got back in touch with the um, French version of that. Yes. Interesting to hear. It would be handy to have Mm. in the armory. Wow. Um, oh, God. Um, yeah, as I say, that'll take some beating, but give it a go. Give us give us your story of the thing that still actually doubled over in a, in a pang of anxiety years later. Um, things you've blurted out, failed human interactions, styling it out. All the usual, please. Hello at adriftpodcast.com. Until we're all caught out pretending we know what we're doing... We don't, obviously. Mm, it's quite apparent. Adrift. Annabelle. Yeah. You have prepared a story. Mm-hmm. You're just putting your reading glasses on. Yeah. Uh, what's the story going to be about this week? So I've told you before about the time I did work experience in TV and about how I wore the wrong clothes and drove a producer in the company car so badly she made me pull over. Yes. And Vanessa Felt said, more meat. Yes, yes. But this was after university. This story is about my schoolwork experience placement. I'm not sure if you still have to do it, but when you're in the fourth year seniors, about 15, you had to do two weeks of work experience. Mm. Where did you do yours? I did mine at our local music shop, Margin Music, oh. where I then went on to have a Saturday job and a full-time job. Oh, right. So it was actually very so it worked, productive. it worked out very well for me, and yeah. did you organise it yourself? Because it was something you were interested in, or was it on the list of the school placements? No, I organised it myself ah. because I was having... Um, I used to go there for synthesizer lessons off the um, owner, Mrs Kirkpatrick. Okay, yeah. Learned to play these different Nick Kershaw songs. Oh, great. If you ever want me to play... Um, human racing on a synthesizer but we all do i do it on the podcast but there's copyright issues uh, yeah okay. yeah maybe you can go around to someone's house if or we could to. we could organize a recital let's do that yeah okay that's sorted okay so in the same way my school you could organize your own if you had a particular interest mm. 
or the school provided some of your own, their own placements. So, for example, one of my friends, Marisa, she managed to get two weeks at More magazine, because that's what the area she was interested in. My friend Tessa, she wanted to be a doctor, so she worked at a doctor's surgery. When I asked her what she remembered, she said, we had amazing cheese rolls at 11 o'clock. So <laughs> even when it was the area that you were very interested in, and she did become a doctor, I'm not sure how much you actually learned. Although cheese rolls at 11, 11. I mean, yeah. it must have been the wrong job. It does sound nice. <laughs> But as I said, the school also provided some, which is how my friend Steph ended up doing hers on the shop floor of Marks and Spencer's on South End High Street. And her only memory of that is stacking shelves with a woman called Alison who only consumed hot water and no food. <laughs> yeah. So I took one of these school organised placements because there was one area that I wanted to work in because up to the age of about 20, I wanted to be a primary school teacher. I still occasionally think about doing it. Even though I can now see that it's a job that I'm wildly unsuited to <laughs> and I have absolutely no patience when I taught English as a foreign language. If someone didn't get something straight away that I was teaching, I turned to face the blackboard and silently screamed, like a full on <laughs> mouth open silent scream. My students probably thought I had some kind of head wobbling disorder. So absolutely no patience. I'm terrified of any kind of responsibility. I'm emotionally cold and distant. I'm not crazy about children, if I'm completely honest. I mean, I like all the children I know and obviously my own child and niece and nephew are the greatest humans on earth but the ones I don't know you know (laughs) but I like order and routine and timetables and measuring progress and I love being at primary school myself and as a child I would easily spend eight hours a day on my own in my bedroom teaching an imaginary class of children easily like the whole day would just fly by so when I saw there was a placement at South Bentfleet Primary School the area where I lived I took that straight away Mm. Now, it wasn't the primary school that I went to. I'd lived in South Bentfleet all my life, but I went to a private primary school in Leon C about 15 minutes away. I know the fact that I went to a private primary school makes me sound posher than I really am. So I'll take the poshness down a few notches by telling you that my dad used to pay the school fees in cash. (laughs) Other parents were post to check, but my dad would turn up once a term with a bulging pack pocket. (laughs) So I didn't know this particular school. And it was even more disconcerting to turn was up. Was he money laundering? No, <laughs> <laughs> <were> primary school. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely not. So it was very disconcerting to turn up on my first day on a Monday morning and be told that they had no knowledge of me coming and they didn't even do work experience placements. But I didn't know what else to do, so I just insisted that it had been organised and that it was definitely here. And I think I didn't really know what to do with me and maybe they took pity on me because they let me go into a classroom and do some cutting up with some six-year-olds while they tried to find out what was going on in a way that I'm not sure what happened now. (laughs) (laughs) Don't they do police checks and stuff now? (laughs) Anyway, I did the cutting up all morning until lunchtime when I left to go home for lunch. And as I did, I noticed for the first time the board outside which said, Jotman's Hall Primary School. And if you remember, I was supposed to be doing work experience at South Bentfleet Primary School. I'd basically just gone to the nearest primary school to me and just assumed it was the right one because I was an idiot and I was in South Bentfleet. It was a primary school. What, what could go wrong? I had a long moment of, oh, oh, right, okay. And then I went home and I looked up South Bentfleet Primary School in the phone book, which shows when it was, which confirmed that I was definitely an idiot and it was another school about a 30-minute walk away. So I went to the right school in the afternoon who thought it was hilarious. And then I just never called or went back to the first call to explain or apologise. And I just left them wondering about that weird, creepy teenage girl who turned up one morning pretending she had work experience so she could could do some cutting up with some six-year-olds. You're adrift. Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port. 
everything that you always wanted and a friend that was with you all the time who is also watching you closely judging bit of business to attend to now this might come as a surprise to some people but the planned partners podcast for patreon subscribers only is going to be slightly delayed people are going to be reeling with surprise yeah i'm sure uh, can can i just say that it's because sarah is still ill yeah so i've not really wanted to bother her with it you've not mentioned it at all have you I, I may have mentioned it a while ago, but okay, you know okay, she's okay. she's on the knife's edge at the moment. Yeah. I don't need to, um, I, d- I don't need to add anything else to mm, her woes. No, um, but as soon as she's feeling better, um, you know we do have an agreement in principle to do it. Tom's up for it. Your yeah, lover said yes, and and she I think she's up for it too. So okay. as soon as she's feeling better, um, we'll we'll get that done. So it will be soon. Like I mean, she's she's basically got tonsillitis Mm. so i don't see this as a long period of convalescence where she'd need to be sent away to the south of france to sit in a wicker in a wicker chair with a blanket across her knee or anything to get some sea air right right. in a a more uh, temperate climate i don't think it's one of those illnesses you're seeing a sort of different kind of recovery yeah quicker one you're hoping i I really wish you know because if you see period dramas sort of set at the turn of the 20th century mm. there seems to be a lot of that people getting ill and then just being sent away to a warmer climate to pe- people of our disposition we'd, we'd have to have to live in a warmer climate by the sea wouldn't we like <laughs> i'd constantly be coughing into a lacy handkerchief i mean i do think it's it's um, i do think it's significant that all these dramas are set before the introduction of the nhs ah yes there is you that. don't t- yeah. tend to hear of that prescribed on the national health <laughs> no, do you? Definitely not. um anyway so uh as soon as she's better, uh, they will be doing that. So we will send out a message on Patreon sometime soon uh, just to ask for questions for them. Mm. And you will only get to hear this podcast if you uh, donate a little bit of money on Patreon. If you go onto our Patreon page, uh, details are all there. If you can just spare a couple of dollars a month, it starts from, I think, um, go to patreon.com stroke Adrift. And Annabelle, you're feeling very pleased with yourself today because you're completely up to date with giving out the titles to people. Yeah, as of mid last week. So if you've done it since mid last week, then um, I'll do it this week. But yes, I'm I'm up to date and massive apologies if you've had to wait for your title. I'm so sorry. Um, I'm being much more organised now and I'm going to be doing it weekly. And I've, and I've said it now, so now I've got to do it. Uh, have you given out any Viscounts this week? Uh, no, Vi- I did a lot of Viscounts in the early days. Yeah. Okay. So we, I think Viscounts have been put to rest for now. Okay. Yeah, yeah. A few military ones? I don't know if, oh, there's a few military ones in there, yeah, to mix it up a bit, yeah. Have you ever given out any honorary doctorates? Uh, there's, a, there's a professor, there's a wise <laughs> professor. Um there's there's a regent professor. <laughs> to be honest, wow. there was a lot, and so the, the, there's a lot of them. Um, they're getting slightly more and more obscure. These titles. Any professor? Uh, any professor lords? I think there might be a lord professor. <laughs> there is. There's not a professor lord, but there's a lord professor. Yeah. Because there's uh, uh, the the one I think of is that um, sort of fertility doctor who looks like he's wearing a disguise. Who used to be on the television a lot, like 15 years ago. He he professor looks. Professor Robert Winston. Yeah. 
looks like he's wearing a disguise. Don't you think his face oh, looks like one of those disguise kits where you put on the glasses yes. and it has the moustache? I've never thought of that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Professor Lord Robert Stanley Winston, that's it. Uh. Um, anyway, if you would like a title, just support us on Patreon. If you enjoy the podcast, then show your appreciation with just a small amount of money every month to help us keep it going. Annabelle will give you a title. And um, there's all manner of rewards there, depending on how much you donate. And you can find out how to get access to the, the, the Partners podcast, which is going to be the next thing that's uh, coming via Patreon. So go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, patreon.com, stroke adrift. Adrift. Sound effects. Jeff Lloyd, Annabelle Port. Noises. Last Wednesday, I'm, uh, I'm sitting up here in the loft. Okay. Tinkering around on the computer. Right. Nothing untoward. Just doing a bit of editing or whatever it is I'm doing. Okay. The doorbell rings. Right. I'm home alone. I go downstairs. There's a man with a lanyard. Mm. On the lanyard uh, is, is ideas from the local council, Hackney Council. Okay. I say, hello. He says, hello, I'm from the council. <laughs> right. I said, um, uh, oh, hi. He says, there's been a complaint. I said, oh, really? He says, about the pitch of your roof. No. He says, can I come into your uh, backyard and, and, and have a look? I say, sure. We go out the back. Says, how long have you lived here? I said, since 2014. He says, have you done anything to your roof in that time? I said, no, there's a loft conversion, but it was like that when we bought it. <laughs> right. He says, when did you buy it again? I said, 2014. I see him doing a mental calculation. I said, can you show me what you mean? He says, sure. We go back out onto the street. We cross the street. He points out that our roof, the highest point of our roof, mm. is slightly higher. And when I say slightly higher, I'm, I mean, I'm guessing 30 centimetres right. than, than our neighbours on either side. I said, oh, I mean, it's difficult to notice that. He says, yeah, but it's definite. I mean, there's an optical illusion caused by the... And then he uses a word, I think he says ramparts. Ramparts? That can't be right, can it? Can it? Aren't they on castles, ramparts? That's what I thought. I mean, I don't live in a castle. <laughs> whatever it is, whatever word he uses, it's the thing that separates our roof from the neighbour's roof, like a little line of bricks. Okay. He says it's a difficult spot, but if you really look up there where your chimney is, uh, you can see that your roof's slightly higher. I say, well, I am dumbfounded. Because, you know, we've we've had nothing done. And I believe the lady who owned the house before us, she had the um, loft conversion done years before. He said, yeah, uh, well, if it's pre-2014, um, there's there's nothing they can do about it anyway. But there has been a complaint. I said, but who complained? Yes, who? He says, I can't tell you. It's anonymous. <gasps> no. Yes. So do you think it's someone on your street? And why would they do this? Exactly. So I think one of my neighbours has got it in for me. Because nobody, surely nobody would care. I mean, nobody could possibly care. Right. So the only reason to report that to the council, spite. I can't help but agree. I don't know. So, so, so now I'm looking at all my neighbours oh. with the suspicion. Oh, like somebody on my street dislikes me so much that they've studied the outside of my house and and to to to, to sc- they've scrutinised it to find just one thing that they could perhaps cause a bit of trouble over. I think you've done well to have a house that that's the only thing they can think to complain about. I mean, if it was my house, <laughs> the front garden would be the starting point. <laughs> the fact that they had to look at something that was maybe a, a ruler height higher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. But anyway, that my my point is like I'm just now feel like I'm walking around my neighbourhood feeling like everybody hates me. I'm like eyeing all my neighbours suspiciously. Oh, this is terrible. How can I deal with this? Oh. I find out in this week's The Incident. 
Alistair Campbell is a journalist, broadcaster and campaigner. He was formerly Director of Communications at Number 10 Downing Street, so I thought he would be the ideal person to talk to about dealing with secret enemies, starting anonymous whispering campaigns. And for reasons that will become apparent, I need to point out that Alistair was watching the parliamentary Brexit debate on television while I was talking to him. Um, OK, my first question is, have you been losing sleep about it? I'm a good sleeper, but it troubles me by day. (laughs) Okay. Um, Have you got your suspicions? Well, the people across the road, one of them did once steal my wife's Uber, and there was a little altercation, so I wondered if there could be some residual hangover from that. Right. Seems to me they were in the wrong then, not you. Yes, but there, there was there was some confrontation which probably didn't didn't sit very well with them. I mean, I think you're right that it's really horrible if you've got somebody in the in the neighbourhood that has got it in for you. Mm. Um, I mean, I had a situation uh, a while back. We were getting um, somebody was graffitiing the walls up at the top of our road, but it was all about me and the council was having to come up and clear it up and what have you. And then we had another situation where we definitely had this. We, we thought that somebody in the there was there was stuff going on with the press that we thought can only be getting tipped off by people who not just live near us but see what we do. You know, they could. <laughs> so, and it was uh, you, you've got to be really careful. You don't get a bit paranoid about it. But I think if you care about it, you should try to find out. And I think the way to try to find out is to is to go and knock on doors and say, look, you know, um, you don't need to tell me if it's you, um, but I'm, you know, I, I, somebody, somebody in the vicinity has complained about the the height of my roof, and I, and I just want to find uh, the council says there's no ground for complaints, but they wanted me to know, and I just wanted to find out, you know, because if there's anything I can do to change it to make people happy, I'd like to do that. That then fits with your sort of character and your personality. And I think you'd find out by then. And then, then you'd have to, you know, decide whether you want to do anything about it by, you know, send the heavies round. That was a joke. <laughs> <laughs> do you think I would be able to tell? So if I go knocking on somebody's door and I say, you don't need to say if it's you, am I looking for signs? Am I trying to sc- scrutinise the face and flush them out, do you think? Of course you are. Right. That's, <laughs> that's the whole point. <laughs> I mean, you'll find out. I mean, you'll either get people saying, God, who the hell would do that, mm. right? Now, if they say, God, who the hell would do that, you've got them. <laughs> so I think you'd find them straight away. And if you find people who just look embarrassed and blush and what have you, um, and then you've got to decide what you do once you find out. So are you advocating an act of revenge? Not at all. Right. That would be very, very, very contrary to my personality. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm advocating that to put your mind at rest. Yeah. You see, at the moment, you're probably going around thinking it's all of them. I am. Yeah. 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 So you see, so that means you've got to narrow it down because you don't want to think ill of your. You're a positive sort of bloke. You don't want to think ill of your neighbours. So you, you'd rather know there's one who's a complete. <laughs> you know what? What's it? Rather than all of them. So I think it is important to find out. And then you can just sort of, you know, gently avoid them. You don't have to have anything to do with them. Or I could look for something on the exterior of their house that I could complain to. No, I think tit-for-tat neighbour wars tend not to get anywhere. (laughs) 
Now listen, Ken Clark's on his feet. This is a big moment. I'll let you go then. <laughs> Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. If you're insightful and aligned with this vision, you might be ready for the next phase. Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Ports. Adrift. Annabelle, there has been a lot of response at you sharing your story from last week about your little accident. Oh, that's so terrible. But I think, you know, you, you did a brave thing by talking about it and you've helped other people make peace with their own similar stories. So that's that's a lovely thing. That's good. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we also received an email from Jay Sally who said, what about a blue plaque? For where it happened. <laughs> I'm not sure that'd be appropriate. What about a brown plaque? <laughs> I had a situation yesterday um, where where my wife and son and I were out and about, and she popped into a chemist within King's Cross train station to to buy some painkillers. While we're in there, I feel my stomach go, and I say, "Oh, I really need to go," because with me as I've talked mm. about before it's it's all or nothing i don't you know and ibs well maybe it is yeah. maybe it is yeah. undiagnosed mm. ibs but uh, it's you know the 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 countdown has begun mm. and it's it's i've not got much runway if you see what i mean mm. so she says listen i'm just going to get the bus home with with jean and you catch us up when you're done <laughs> really yeah wow. which makes me think well maybe i can luxuriate then maybe okay. i can take some time because it's it's one of those toilets in the train station where you have to pay to go into it oh okay. do you know how much you have to pay is it not just 30p 30 it? what do you mean just 30p well, that's all right are you serious? Thirty p to go to the toilet. Well, it, I mean, it oh isn't my a nice god, condition. you're doing all right for yourself, aren't you? <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't use him, and we'd better afford it. But <laughs> I feel like it, it is a we nice. We know you wouldn't. You just go in the street <laughs> and not even over a grid. You're obsessed with this grid thing. I don't think that makes it any better. Anyway, you paid your thirty p. Payment, th- yeah. yeah so, you didn't so, jump the barriers. No, no, but I think to myself, if I'm paying thirty p, I'm, I'm gonna you know, take some time here yeah, yeah, to get my money's worth. Exactly, yeah. As I'm walking into the toilets in King Cross Station, um, someone says, Jeff Lloyd. Oh, right. And I turn around and I see a, a friendly face, like a smiling friendly face. Hmm. Because I'm so bad with faces, uh, I don't know if this is somebody I've never met before or somebody I've known my entire life. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it can quite easily be your own brother. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, struggle. Yeah, yeah. So I say, hi, how are you? Oh. And... Um, he says, I'm well. And I, so he puts his hand out to shake my hand. And I think, oh, we don't know each other. And and basically, it's a lovely man um, called Simon Martin, hmm. who listens to the podcast and listens oh, to the radio show. Okay. And, and we, you know, we've, we've met in this unlikely circumstance. He is from Leeds. Oh. He's down in London to... Um, to go to, I think, like a, a superheroes exhibition of oh. some kind. And he must think celebrities just walk the streets. Celebrities, into you. yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> and I, I find myself in a strange situation whereby I'm just like really pleased to meet him mm. because despite all my awkwardness, if somebody wants to tell me that they really enjoy the podcast, oh, yeah. I, I have a lot of time for those people. A lot, yeah. <laughs> Um, and he's, he's seemed really nice. He was visiting with his daughter. At the same time, as I've said, the you know the the countdown has begun. Ah, of course, yeah. and I need to go to the loo. Mm. So I end up sort of like babbling something about how can you believe it's thirty p to use these toilets? Right, right. And then I say, I'm so sorry, you're gonna have to excuse me. Mm. And and then I'm sort of doing my business and feeling really bad mm. that it's been such a rushed interaction with this nice man who just wanted to chat about the podcast Mm. but then I was thinking if you are a fan of this podcast what is a better interaction with me than bumping into (laughs) me in a public toilet yeah yeah um, when I'm in an emergency situation it's what you'd expect yeah and want yeah 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 yeah. Yeah, surely so um apologies to Simon for that being such a brief interaction but it was very nice to uh, to meet you um I think it would have been weird to say to him, do you want to just hang around until I'm done? Very weird. I'm so glad you didn't do that. Well or you could stand outside no, the cubicle. No, also very weird. Okay. Yeah. But why Why is that frowned upon to carry on a conversation from the other side of a cubicle door? Oh, you, you were genuinely asking that as a question. Wow. No, I understand that it is. Yeah. But why? I mean, it's just a, it's just a societal norm. I'm still capable of talking when I'm doing that. <laughs> if anything, it makes it less of a lonely experience. <laughs> Okay, next time try it out. Are you offering? No. Okay. Um so that's that. The the other thing I just wanted to mention very briefly is um one of our listeners and old old friends actually since the radio show days is Tiff and she messaged me over the weekend asking if I thought an adrift discussion group on Facebook it was a good idea. And I said sure. So she has set up this discussion group um which I've applied to be a member of. Oh, you've not been uh, not I don't know if yet. I've been approved yet, no. yeah. Um, and it's for Adrift listeners where you can sort of, if there's any stories on the podcast that you want to comment on oh, okay. or you want to you know, talk to other drifters or talk about the podcast or ask questions or, or so on, Tiff has set up this disc- discussion group, which I think is called the Drifters Group. Let me just check because I want to... I want to get it right Mm -mm. for Tiff because I'm uh, touched that she's taken the time to do this. Uh, So, yeah, here we go. It is The Drifters, the official Adrift discussion group. Mm. So if you just uh, join that, then you can meet like-minded individuals. And I just wanted to give it a little plug. I think it's currently got uh, like 100, 180 members or oh, something like already? that. Oh, already? Wow. Yeah, 180. Okay. Great. Yeah. Uh, so go to Facebook and look up. Or, or just go to our Facebook page, actually. That's probably the easiest way. And I've put a link up okay. to it there. Form an orderly bubble and off we go. Adrift. Oh, as I was doing the outro to last week's podcast, I thought of uh, another name that we could add in. Add in for what, sorry? For Quandary Corner at oh. the Glap Clinic. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in Problematic, uh, Rural School. I quite like the policy unit. Okay. You don't like it, do you? No. <laughs> okay, okay. Forget I ever mentioned it. Forget I ever mentioned well, it. I have got another suggestion coming up. Okay. I like ones that rhyme. Okay. I just thought, you know. The policy unit. 
This is too much knocking around with Ed Miliband, isn't it? This is, this is what's done for me. <laughs> it, it, it is a bit, yeah. It's a bit dry and political, it's isn't it? It's a bit it? New Labour. <laughs> Sorry. Um, all right, then. So you've, you've got a suggestion coming up within the body of one of the uh, yes. questions. So this is where if you have a social situation where you need to know the correct behaviour, just ask us and we'll tell you. Okay, this is from Amy. I've got a quick issue I'd like to bring to the GLAP clinic following an incident last weekend that has left me shaken to my core. I was at a festival in Victoria Park to see the beautiful and ethereal Bjork with my pal, which is obviously a glorious occasion. At one point, about a third of the way through her performance, I turned to my friend to comment on how great the gig was and how incredible Bjork was looking in her orchid headgear. At that moment, a middle-aged man strode towards us and said pretty angrily, Excuse me, I am trying to listen to Bjork. We were so shocked. We stood quietly for the next 20 minutes, but I was seething inside. We were outside in a field with several thousand people and there was a thunderstorm going on in the distance. It was definitely <laughs> providing stiffer competition for Bjork than I was. I would obviously never talk through a film at the cinema or at a comedy gig or anywhere where my talking would be disturbing the other people, the atmosphere. But I honestly believed that the beauty of an outdoor concert is the buzz of the crowd. Aside from that, I refuse to believe that my brief indoor voice conversation was louder than Bjork's entire concert. I've had a mix of reactions when mentioning this to friends and tweeting about it. So I'm after a ruling on who was the unreasonable party here. Should I have kept stum and saved my comments for the end? Or was it wrong of the gentleman to put his enjoyment ahead of ours? Basically, I'm really hoping you'll tell me I was right and he was wrong because I've been feeling bitter about it for over a week now. I want to believe you, but I think you were probably talking quite a lot. Oh, because I I have asked people to be quiet at gigs before now, but it's it's never just for the odd comment. It's it's sort of constant chattering. Well, this is what I think, and this reflects better on Amy. I think she did not say a single word, but I think other people were talking around this man, and he just and it was just a combination of of everybody that made him lose his temper at her. Because here's the thing, you think that you're, I, 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 I'm sorry, Amy. Like, so if, if it was what you said, that you just sort of made this comment to your friend and he flew off the handle, he is in the wrong. Mm. But if you were sort of commenting with any degree of sort of frequency throughout the gig, to, it's, not, it's not acceptable. No, it's I've, not. I've had to explain this to people before now. It's not, gigs. and I agree. And, and the point being that that guy has paid money to listen to Bjork, mm. not to listen to you. Mm-mm. I, think I actually think an outdoor gig is worse because I think the sound is never good at these things. No. And I think that indoors it's, it's always louder. Outdoors you can hear people talking more, especially if you're towards the back. They should have talking zones at gigs. Oh, sorry, they do. It's called the bar. <laughs> Right. Yeah, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm. You're strict on this. Yeah, uh, I was at an Emmy the Great concert a while ago, and I had to um, chastise some people. Is it okay to say one? So, for example, if Amy had honestly just said one thing, is that okay? Yeah, that's fine. That's but, fine. So if you're talking with the regularity, not okay. Yeah. So I think you've got the applause breaks at the ends of songs. Mm. That's a good time to talk. Nobody's going to be upset at you then. Um, but what if everybody just says just one thing? That I mean, they would constantly be hearing comments. Mm. I mean, I think maybe we should just have a, a strict no talking rule. Yeah, 
I wouldn't mind enforcing that. I'd like, be very enjoy happy. yourself. I want to. I want to. Immer- I don't want to. I don't want to chat to someone again. I want to immerse myself in it. Yeah, you, you're there to listen to the music, mm-hmm. not to have a lovely conversation. Mm-hmm. You know, if anything, it helps with the not having to make conversation with people going to gigs, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. And then afterwards, you can just talk about how much you enjoyed or didn't enjoy the gig. Then you get it all out there. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. I, I really think mm-hmm. you know talking at gigs has, has to be kept to a bare minimum. But I also think this middle-aged man is also in the wrong for flying off the handle, Amy, if she did only say one thing. But you look suspicious about that. No, I'll tell you what, what I think. I think, like, she's trying, like, there's, there's something going on where she's trying to turn us against him mm. by describing him as a middle-aged man. And the way she and, wrote it as well. I'm a middle-aged it's, man. <laughs> it's with capitals on the M, the A and the N. Middle-aged man. <laughs> And you are a middle-aged man. No, are you? What is middle-aged? Well, I mean, I don't know. I think it used to be 40. Mm. And I think, you know, since um, Madonna empowered us all to <laughs> to age less gracefully, um, I think I, you know, I, I, I convinced myself it's 50 and I'm not middle-aged. Okay, fine. But I'm 45. Mm. You know, if I live to be ninety, I should be so lucky. So this this would be the midpoint of oh, my right. life. Yeah, so, so it's mm. difficult not to admit that I'm middle aged, mm. and you know, so are you, really, Annabelle? No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm I'm not yet. Okay. No. Uh, do we have another one? Yes, we do. Yes. Okay. Please don't mention my name on this story. It starts just okay. in case they do listen to the podcast, although they really don't seem the type. Dear Glap at the Rural School, Glap Clinic, Problematic, Quandary Corner, and how's about the Knowledge College? (laughs) It's not bad. It's not bad. Okay, okay. Anyway, I've been sitting on this for over three weeks now due to a self-imposed exile. I hadn't sent it, but then I heard your inbox was running low, so here goes. Our new neighbours moved in recently, and along with their three children, all seemed to be good. This was until their youngest child, who doesn't stop screaming... Couldn't resist getting that in there, could he? <laughs> Drop this youngest child dropped his favourite toy over our fence whilst playing with my little girl. Now, the toy in question was a Superman figurine and disappeared never to be seen again, or so I thought. We even had the parents in looking everywhere for this fairly small toy. About a week later, I was doing chores, one of which was to pick up the cigars that my dog, Anon, lays twice a day. I say cigars because we've recently had AstroTurf laid and all of Anon's turds sit right up on top. And I kid you not, coming from a man with a very low gag reflex, I find it quite satisfying when I glove the bag and pick the poo up. Anyway, this particular morning, as I was bending down, I caught a glimpse of an eye looking back at me. Yes, it was Superman's head, fully submerged within a preformed poon. I was so pleased with my find, I went running indoors to gather the family and play a game of guess what I found. My wife thought it was hilarious that our dog, Anon, had munched it and it had actually gone through the dog's complete digestive system and popped out the other end. I really hope as well that when he was being squeezed out, he came arm first, just like in the movies. Anyway, it played in my mind for a bit as to what to do with it. Knock next door and offer it back, fully cleaned and bleached, or just toss it in the bin and forget about it. What would you do? I know what I did, but I'm reluctant to say, although let's just say I caught a glimpse of the toy over the fence just the other day. <laughs> so really, he's, he's answered his own question, but what should he have done is the question here. Well, the first thing you need to do is take a photo of it. <laughs> like... <laughs> But for why? As it was entombed in the cigar. What? 
Why, why do you need to see this? Because it's a remarkable that that's a remarkable thing. It is a remarkable. Like if you thing. think about what life is, life is mainly things you've seen before, mm. and like every now and again, you're like, oh, I've never seen that before. Yeah, okay. Document it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so that's that. If you haven't got a photo, you're suggesting that he recreate this <laughs> to get the photo. No, I, it might be dangerous. Yeah. Um, and then, I mean, I, I see no harm in sort of cleaning that off and, and returning it to its original owner, right? Without mentioning where... Well, you wouldn't mention yeah. where it come from. No. I, see, I, I, would, I see harm. I think it should just be binned. Or buy another one. But if it's clean... It's just the knowledge of, it's the knowing of you knowing where it's been somewhere absolutely vile. And That's not very nice to Anon, the dog. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> it's been somewhere absolutely disgusting that could blind you. No, but I'm saying clean it. He's, he's been bleached. disinfectant. And then, not, and then just not knowing and the kid like putting it in its mouth. But it's oh, been cleaned. Oh, it's fine. No, it's not fine. It's not fine. No, it's basically once it's clean, it's been rebooted. It's like new. No. Yes. No. Yes. I would want it boiled for at least 10 minutes, <laughs> then bleached, then boiled for another 10 minutes. And I still wouldn't let it near my child's mouth. Oh, my God. Yeah. You're going to turn that kid into a weird germ foe. <laughs> like one of those eccentric billionaires. I won't let it eat dog poo. <laughs> no, because there is no dog poo because it's been boiled and bleached <laughs> twice. No, he just bleached it. He didn't boil no, it. No, but, but the, the point is, like, in your scenario, mm, mm. you just said it'd have to be boiled, bleached, boiled, bleached, and even then you wouldn't let it near your child's no, mouth. No. It's fine. It's reset. Ugh. Okay. It's absolutely oh. fine. I need, to, I need to get more into this mindset. Okay. I've told you before, when I worked at the music shop, um, the bosses lived above the shop uh, in a flat. And they had these collie dogs. One of them was called Jimmy. It was a funny old dog. It, it, it had been in a fight when it was a puppy. And its nose was kind of squashed down and its tongue was permanently out. Mm. So it, it breathed like this. <laughs> it had a touch of, it was a very nice dog, but it had a touch of the, like the hunch dog of Notre Dame to it. You know, it was like that. It had some weird characteristics. It would go mad if it ever heard that piece of music to Carter in D minor by Bach, you know. Diddly! And because it was a music shop, we'd have synthesizers in there and sometimes play it to get the dog howling. Anyway, so they went out to the cinema one evening, having left the meagre takings from the shop Mm. on a coffee table. And when they came back and sort of were doing their cashing up and getting ready for the banking the next day, they noticed it was five pounds short. Right. And they're really mystified by this until they notice like the bag the money was in has, has been a bit chewed and they realise that Jimmy the dog has eaten this five pound note. Jimmy. So then they wait oh, God. for it to come out the other side, the uh, other end. Uh, they clean it out and I don't think they were as um, vigorous as boiling and bleaching and boiling and bleaching. Probably just a bit of scraping. No. They, they put it into a plastic bag and then took it to the bank, having the week before seen a programme on the BBC about how the bank has to accept banknotes no matter what state they're in. So they wanted to put it to the test. And the bank took it? Yes. What if it went back into circulation? <laughs> I might have touched it. <laughs> uh, I feel we d- we dealt with those two questions um, yeah, very thoroughly there. He's got a quick PS actually. Okay. He says, "I've got a bone to pick. I've got a bone to pick with you, not Annabelle. Oh, no. I'm 47 and I shop in H and M. I'm not yeah. one of those want to be trendy types, but I feel yeah. I can no, carry off a no. t-shirt, chinos, and blazers yeah. with the rest of them. Yeah. Now I found myself questioning my style as I walk past shop windows. Where else do I shop? Marks and Spencer's. 
Blue Harbour Range. Yes, exactly. Okay. Okay. Yeah, next at a push. Right. Wow. If you want something snazzy, I'm sorry. I love H and M, but we're not allowed in there anymore at our age. You're not only are allowed. You're allowed. No, but it's not socially acceptable. Okay. Uh, if you have a, a social situation where you would like to know the rules of behaviour, then email us hello at adriftpodcast.com. And that was our podcast. Thank you for downloading it. And if you think you know somebody else who might enjoy it, then sidle up to them, have a word. Um, I know it would actually be less embarrassing to try and get somebody involved in the swinging scene than it would be to try and get them to listen to this podcast. But we really appreciate the word of mouth as and when you feel it's appropriate. Thanks to Man and the Echo for the backing music and to Emily Harrison for the incidental music during the incident. And advice this week came from Alistair Campbell. Alistair is editor-at-large of the New European newspaper and he's an ambassador for various mental health charities, including Time to Change. Look them up. Vince Lynch and Simon Wilcox made our iDance and are our announcers. Patrick Gunning and Iwana Babu provided technical support. Kim Rainey made our artwork. And Carla Gowlett took the photos. Support our podcast on Patreon. If you enjoy spending time with us, then um, why not chuck a little bit of money, chuck a little bit of spare change into the hat. You can go to patreon.com stroke adrift and details of the Partners podcast coming up very soon, as soon as Sarah's feeling up to it. And share your story, please. Hello at adriftpodcast.com and it's the same email address if you have something you would like us to address in, um, what's the latest one? The Knowledge College at Quandary Corner in the Glap Clinic in Problematic in the the Rules School. Although not, apparently, uh, policy unit. That one's been forbidden. So yeah, hello at adriftpodcast.com. And finally, you can do a poo now if you like. Adrift. Adrift. Okay, on to the podication, or if we were an Australian podcast, we'd call this the podo. The podo. I'm just guessing. Oh, I right. just sort of abbreviate and then put an O on the end of things. Yeah, true. Um, Natalie Burgess says, she's from Wakefield, oh. says, hello, Jeff and Annabelle. Hello. hello. Please could you podicate an episode to my husband, Stephen Burgess, as near as possible to Father's Day. I think this is in the middle of June sometime. Stephen is the love of my life and also our six-year-old daughter Amy's life. He's a brilliant dad who loves to have fun and does everything for our little family. We've had so many good times as family and this year has been amazing so far. We're all looking forward to going to Disneyland Paris. They don't call it Euro Disney anymore, do they? No, they they don't, no. Uh, In August and making even more precious family memories. That sounds wonderful. You doing anything for Father's Day? Uh, I, need, I need to get that organised. So it'll it's, be Tom's first, won't yeah, it? Yeah, it's this Sunday, isn't it? I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I need to uh, need to plan something. Although he, he says he's not interested. 
I, I sort of have said that, but the previous two, so even though Jean's only two, this will be my third Father's Day. Okay. And I have just loved Father's Day every year and oh. spent a lot of time weeping. Oh. I find it very <laughs> really? moving. Yeah. I'll be yeah. hard to get a tear out of Tom unless I put on a film with daddy issues on it. <laughs> Maybe I'll do that. <laughs> Although Sarah said to me the other day, what do you want to do for Father's Day? That should not be my responsibility. You feel that she should be organising some kind of... Mm, yeah, 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 wonderful day okay. of appreciation and profound beauty where I can sit weeping. Pressure. Yeah, okay. I know, okay. I know. What was great was Mother's Day this year. She cleared off to the States. So, um, oh, look, a little... Sp- oh, there was just a sparrow sitting okay. on the ledge outside there. Not that interested in a sparrow. I see birds all the time. It was very close up, though. Like if it had been like an ostrich or something, I <laughs> might have looked out the window. Sparrow, no, no. It was very close to us, though. No, 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 no okay. No. Um, yeah, so she cleared off to the States for Mother's Day, just leaving me and Jean here. So oh. she she didn't get anything. You didn't, like, maybe organise it for the no. weekend that she was back? No, she forfeited no. it. Did she forfeit it? Deserting, our, <laughs> abandoning our family. Oh, okay. Yeah, right, yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. And then, of course, American Mother's Day is this whole other day. Oh, right. Do but do we that? don't live in America, no. Oh, so no. you don't feel that she should get that day instead? No, no, no. she should be okay. punished <laughs> for leaving us, for right. deserting us on Mother's Day. I wouldn't day. expect too much this Sunday if I were you. really wouldn't. <laughs> uh, well, I hope Stephen has a wonderful day. Um, c- congratulations on, uh, on such a lovely life. I feel a little bit envy. I mean, I'll be honest. Read about your life there, and I was feeling a bit of, em- bit of envy. Oh, I just felt happy for them. <laughs> well, you're a better, better person than <laughs> yeah, I am. Yeah, that's better why I person. said it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there we go. Latest edition of the podcast, dedicated to uh, to Stephen from Natalie and Amy, and there will be another one next week. If you would like a podication, email hello at adriftpodcast.com. Oh, and I'll just plug that little um, that little that was patronising the Tiffs drifters uh discussion group on facebook go to our mm. facebook page look up adrift with jeff lloyd and annabelle port and um it will point you in the right direction okay anything to add nope planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options buttery soft italian leather bags and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.